On this month's show, we discover that to build a man, all you need is lightning, brains, body parts, stitches, and maybe a 3D printer. It's Frankenstein time! Yes, yes, people! Tonight we are going Mary Shellington! Mary Shellington Pie! Sorry, I don't know what came over me just then. I think that might be your worst yet. Yeah, good. Uh, You are listening to episode 62 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast. I'm Cliff, and this month we're going to be talking about various movie adaptations of the early 19th century novel Frankenstein. So, what have my fellow devils got in common with author Mary Shelley? Well, he also creates content about artificial humanoids. It's just that here's a TikToks about Pez dispensers. It's Luke Poulton. Hey. <laughs> She's changed her surname and has probably fucked a few poets. It's Bryony No. How did you know? <laughs> and last but not least, she's old and gothic. It's Emily McQuaid. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 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 and our guest devil this month arguably has an even closer connection to Shelley's work because he's the writer and star of the one-man play and film adaptation Frankenstein's Creature and he's also been seen under heavy monster makeup in such horror films as Broadcast Signal Intrusion Double Date Host and Dashcam please welcome the multi-talented James Swanton hello Yay. hello hello James thanks for joining us are you well I'm fine um I think Having Storm Eunice going on outside is quite appropriate, given we're doing Frankenstein. Absolutely. I haven't seen any lightning, and uh, nothing has risen from the dead that I've noticed yet. But I know what you mean. Looking at your credits, I am intrigued by a short film that you were in last year called The Thing That Ate the Birds, in which you played The Thing That Ate the Birds. How method did you go for that The one? Things That Ate the Birds. How method <laughs> did I go? Um, oh, you played The Things, multiple. Yes, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, with, with distinct makeups, absolutely none of the reviewers or I think even the audiences have picked up on yet. But um, yeah, how method did I go? Um, yeah. well, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't eat any birds, so I'm probably letting the side down a bit on the method acting front. That's a bit. Um, I, I was a thing, so it's 50%, I suppose. <laughs> cool, things. Cool. Should, it should be called the things for birds. No, it is. I just thought that was a typo on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> well, most things on IMDb are. Yeah. <laughs> I might get onto that later. Actually, yeah. an annoying thing that has changed on IMDb. Oh right, it's one of my favourite things, and it's gone. But stay tuned for that. Oh. Now we always start with a quick flick through our highs and lows of horror viewing since we last recorded. Uh, Bryony, why don't you kick things off? Oh hello. Um, I've got two highs, but I'm not sure of the highs, and I'm not sure of the horror. So bear with. Is it Star Trek and no, Babylon it's not. Five? <laughs> it's yeah. No, Babylon Five is a big pile of shit. Um, oh, yeah. I watched. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, yeah. um, and I it's more of a thriller, isn't it? But it still made me feel really horrible. It was just horrible, but in the best way. It was really well done. Tilda is always you know fabulous, and no one else could play that part. It was just she did the whole pain thing really well and it was just super uncomfortable and john c Riley was surprisingly very good so yeah i'm a good eight nine years late to that party but um really enjoyed it um something more sort of akin to horror and it's another netflix series i don't know why i'm becoming such a shill for netflix on this podcast at the moment <laughs> but um and it was released last year it's called brand new cherry flavor um uh, yeah and I'm really enjoying it. So I'm about maybe six episodes into it. It's an eight-episode series. It's weird. I'm a bit like, mm, there's not much happening, but I'm still really enjoying it. It's kind of got like the sort of Lynchian 
Cronenberg body horror stuff and it doesn't make a lot of sense. What's it about? I don't know. It's about a woman um, and she goes to LA and she's got a film and then there's like a witch involved and then there's a guy who basically tries to assault her so she tries to cast a curse on him and then she keeps throwing up kittens. Whoa! Um, Wasn't expecting that. Yeah, she keeps throwing up kittens and there's a great scene where uh, she says no more throwing up kittens I'm, I'm sick of throwing up kittens so she's like I oh, will give you another way to throw up kittens which is essentially just a fanny on her side and there's a very awkward sex scene involving the kitten fanny on her side but it's not it's not like it's not a fanny of a kitten it's a fanny that expels kittens on her side is she just like overrun with kittens got loads of kittens well, she just keeps throwing them up, and then the witch takes them as like payment, I guess. Oh. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's um, it's good. That's all I can say about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds a bit like those old Vitsy's adverts where the kittens emerge. Yeah, the, the cats come out of her, yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, they're coming out of her mouth, and she's like picking up fur out of her mouth. It's very good. Wicked, Emily. I've not watched an enormous number of movies this month apart from The Frankenstein, so I've got sort of like one and a bit highs because I've discovered Shudder has got massively long documentaries about 80s horror called In Search of Darkness. Oh, um, yeah. Like, they're literally four and a half hours long, so I've watched sort of two hours of one of those and um, not really learning anything massively new if you know a lot about 80s horror, but they are just like a kind of nice comfort blanket if a sure. comfort blanket that involved kind of gooey special effects and all the scenes you're like, I didn't realise, couldn't re- I've completely forgotten Videodrome had that many guts in it. It's that kind of thing, but yeah. Yeah, I think they're making a third one and I, I'm getting the impression that they're getting into more obscure stuff as they go on, but the first one is just a bit basic. It is, yeah. So to kind of introduce the different films, they're going by years and they have like a shot of all the video covers and they keep going past sort of stuff. And I'm going, no, no, well, yeah, The Hunger's fine, but I want to hear you talk about Extro. I want to hear like mm. the, you know, they clearly kind of gone, oh, here's the weird shit, but we won't talk about that. We'll talk about the more mainstream stuff, but still an enjoyable watch. If they uh-huh. do one about Extro, then Cliff should do his impression. What was my impression? Oh, it's all sticky. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Um, and the second thing I've watched, still sticking with the 80s, but in, in this case, reliving some childhood trauma slightly. Um, I watched the original Children of the Corn. Because ah. uh, folk horror. And yeah, it's it's cheesy and it's a little bit unsettling. And there's some nice, bad animated monster effects at the end. It was one of those films I was terrified of watching when I was a kid because it was one where my uncle, the same one who told me the entire plot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was about six, told me about the opening scene. I've not seen any of the sequels and I don't know if I want to, but I didn't actually realise until I looked after I'd seen this quite how many of them there are. There are quite a lot. The second one's good and I haven't seen any of the others. Hey, maybe we could do a franchise episode one day. <laughs> Apparently they're not very good. I don't want it to be one of those franchises that makes me cry with pain after watching the first yeah, couple. Yeah, yeah. James! My high is probably um, that Russian sort of witchcraft film from the 60s. I think I think the they. only horror film made in Russia. They? Is that how it's pronounced? I thought it was Vi. It, it's spelt V-I-Y, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Matt was going to what be... I did there is I went somewhere between V and Vi, hoping yeah. <laughs> that it might sound right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm betraying my ignorance and lack of research, but that was that was pretty <laughs> rewarding. You've got lots of lovely pie-in-face gothic action of you know skeletons on wires and actors on wires at moments actually, and um, 
Yeah, lovely witch's Sabbath in that sense. Some pacing issues, but, you know, on the whole, <laughs> you know, kind of a visual treat and um, just quite pleasing to see a horror film that was made by Sabotage, essentially, because um, I think the only way they managed to get it made was by um, floating it under the banner of oh, it's a literary adaptation, Ooh. it's not horror at all. And as a result, Russian audiences seeing this kind of thing for the first time went absolutely crazy in the cinema. Yeah, so that was good. Got an amazing final ten minutes, certainly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And hello? Do you have a low? Oh, a low, sorry. So I wasn't just saying hello. <laughs> hello. No, no, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> uh, the low is probably um, Fulci's version of The Black Cat. Oh, Okay. It's one of those um films that just seem to last forever. I mean I mean the trouble with so much film watching for me these days is it's often a duel between me and my phone anyway, mm. you know, and I can, I can very easily stretch a 90-minute film out to three hours, and this this was very much one of those. I listened to your Hammer episode where you talk about Shadow of the Cat, and it's just really difficult to make a cat frightening. It was a very <laughs> pronounced reminder of that. about House of a Thousand Cats? That's terrifying. He's got too many cats. <laughs> I need to seek that one out. Um, yeah, and he it, doesn't he, have a thousand cats. He's got like 12 cats. Some cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's still 11 more cats than Black Cat has. Um it, it was all right, but it, it really did lag. Nice to see Patrick McGee uh, hobbling out of the wheelchair and he occupies in most of a clockwork orange and doing his uh, gravel-voiced rubber face shtick. All those close-ups on his sweaty eyes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need to create a cut where it's just Patrick McGee. But um, it was, you know, it was... Yeah, it, it was fine, but, you know. Leg! My high, I don't normally do TV series on this, but um, All of Us Are Dead... The uh, new Korean show on um, Netflix about a zombie outbreak in high school. Um, just ridiculous and over the top. It's very similar to Train to Busan, but spread out to 12 episodes of just full-on mayhem in this high school. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. And my low is um, the film R Point, uh, a Korean film about some soldiers going missing and then these um, other soldiers going to find them. But every soldier getting possessed by something one by one and starting killing each other. Um, it sounds like it should be fun, but they do all the scares really early on and then just go into conversations for a very long time. So it could have been better. Like A lot of people were saying it's one of the creepiest Korean horrors, but it, it really wasn't. Oh, I've had a month, me. I've had everything that's new that I've watched has been terrible. And the only really good things I've watched have been rewatches. Um, loads of really good rewatches. I'm going to say Don't Go In The House is my high. Um, specifically the version that you can watch on disc three of Arrow's release where they've, <laughs> where they've um, oh, yeah. recreated the 1981 cinema experience with trailers and adverts that you would see in a cinema at that time, 20 minutes of them before the film starts. It's amazing. Major nostalgia hit for me. Mm. I think the first time I ever went to the cinema was 81. It was beautiful. And it's a good film as well. And my low just came out today, the new <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Oh, oh. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've seen this month, but it's the most high profile and it's topical um, and it's terrible. What they obviously did was saw the Halloween re- uh, well sequel and thought, oh, we'll do that. That did huge box office. And then they made it and looked at it and went, let's not let that anywhere near a box office and sold it to Netflix <laughs> instead. The only reason it went to Netflix is that the audience screenings did so badly, they decided not to go to cinemas and just straight to Netflix. Yeah. And it's oh. so bad. That's come out today, because that's yeah. come out with like no fanfare on Netflix, at least not on my Netflix. Are the practical effects actually good? It's mainly CGI, I would say. Oh, okay, so that's Fede Alvarez just lied then, because he said that there was oh. no CGI in this, and <laughs> well, that it's all practical effects. 
I mean, unless they've got the most realistic model humans who can walk and talk and act and then get their heads chopped off in the same shot, then, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So someone's lying. (laughs) Yeah, someone's very lying. Is it worse than the the remake and the various sequels to that? I would say it's slightly better than the... Platinum Dunes remake. Oof, well, that was fucking dire. Is it worse than um, Text Gentle 3D? It's better than Leatherface. I like 3D. That's enjoyable. <laughs> I quite like 3D. That was the only one of the newer <laughs> ones I quite enjoyed because it had a stupid camp factor to it. If it's better than Leatherface, then that's all right with me because I hated, hated <laughs> Leatherface. Oh, yeah, it's slightly better. So they bring back Sally from the first film and she looks like Jamie Lee Curtis in 2018 Halloween uh, and she's been training for the last 40-odd years to face leather face again (laughs) if this was a piss take of halloween then it might work and why wouldn't they do a piss take like there's a couple of earlier chainsaw sequels that are comedy essentially Mm. and that works why why do they have to make all these chainsaw sequels like the grittiest grubbiest grottiest thing ever it just never works (laughs) rubbish do you want like a beverly hills texas chainsaw massacre (laughs) (laughs) Chainsaw Massacre 90210 where it's like just cleaner and brighter well that's Texas Chainsaw the next generation isn't it yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay that's that highs and lows done now it's time to get into the nuts and bolts of Frankenstein I can make you a man And our first feature this month is James Whale's 1935 sequel, Bride of Frankenstein. Now, this isn't much of a trailer to listen to. It's mainly music and sound effects, but here it is anyway. Isn't it amazing, Henry, that lying here within this skull is an artificially developed human brain? And that's how old men used to get it up before Viagra was invented. (laughs) So obviously this is the follow-up to James Whale's 1931 Frankenstein. Uh, We might as well talk about them together. Um, I'd actually never seen either of these films before this month, believe it or not. Um, But James, I'm guessing you're a long-term fan. Yeah, I am. I think I saw both of them about 20 years ago when I was first getting into older horror films. And um, yeah, I mean, the odd thing then was... I kind of respected the original Frankenstein, but I didn't enjoy it that much. Whereas I uh-huh. really, really loved Bride of Frankenstein because it's such a romp and it's such a kind of audience. It's definitely better. Yeah. I mean, as, as as time has gone on, though, I sort of see them as about equal. I mean, I think of the original Frankenstein because it's so simple, but it's simple in a really rewarding way. I kind of see that as being like um, the best cooked steak of your life. Whereas Bride of Frankenstein is maybe like a really overdone trifle at Christmas. <laughs> where it's just got all of the ingredients in and it's a bit too rich but now and again it's um when you want that kind of trifle you have to go to pride of frankenstein you obviously have studied the source novel quite extensively for your play um did yeah. you study these films as well were they influential or did you just try to ignore them as much as possible or what well i mean i mean i think the thing you have to take on um because my version of frankenstein i I'm playing the creature. The thing you have to take on is Boris Karloff, because um, especially in the original Frankenstein, he just delivers a an absolute masterpiece performance. And for all of the shortcomings and signs of age that these films have, 
I think I think what Karloff does, particularly in the original Frankenstein, is just an absolute thing of genius. But but not something you'd really desire to replicate yourself as an actor. And especially if you go back to Mary Shelley's book, the creature is incredibly articulate and kind of like mm. a zombified version of a romantic poet. You know, yeah. he's like undead Percy Shelley or undead Lord Byron. Yeah, yeah, we'll see a lot more of that in certain other adaptations. And although Karloff does speak in Bride of Frankenstein, he's not speaking in a sophisticated way. No. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> oh. The makeup design for Boris Karloff is like the definitive Frankenstein, but. Uh, yeah, he, Frank, he, this, this definitive yeah. Frankenstein's creature. Sorry, it's so easy to make that mistake, isn't it? I blame Bride of Frankenstein for that. I mean, Bride of Frankenstein yeah. suggests Bride of the Monster, right? Called we made it out of the Bride of Frankenstein, so it, it, it travels. It's fine. I suppose. Yeah. It's confusing, though, isn't it? <laughs> for some. Of is a very open-ended preposition, isn't it? Yeah, it's doing quite a lot of work there. The Bride by Frankenstein. Is that yeah. <laughs> insightful? Yeah. I don't know. A, a bride for Frankenstein. Makes him sound like a fashion designer by. Um, yeah. Bride for Frankenstein. Yeah, a perfume. Bride by Frankenstein. It smells like formaldehyde. <laughs> <laughs> An existential angst. Uh, You've got the bit at the start where um, we meet Mary Shelley and Percy Lord Byron. Lord Byron. <laughs> the, the famous Scottish Lord Byron. <laughs> I roll it over my tongue, crank and crank. The fact they give him the line, I roll them over on my tongue, is just... Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> Beyond belief, really. I really enjoyed, like, let's get Mary Shelley involved in this. Mm. It was adorable. It's a bit of an insult to her to suggest that um, <laughs> she would have written Frankenstein's creature dying halfway through the book and then just, oh, he's not actually dead, he's alive again for more. <laughs> not to mention the fact that you've got Byron going, who would have thought that beautiful brain and that beautiful skull would think of such a horrible story? <laughs> like, I'm married to fucking Shelley and a mate's with you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I found that, uh, looking at reviews, the character of Minnie, played by Una O'Connor, oh. is very divisive, by which I sort of mean I think she's really funny and everyone else she thinks is she's really the funny. worst thing in it. Was Minnie the, the washwoman? Yeah, yeah. The, the housekeeper. The one that everyone yeah. kept saying, oh, shut up. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was good. Panto Dame. She's a total yeah. gobshite and she's wonderful. Yeah. It's one of those delightful things that crept up with each subsequent horror film that James Whale did, because his first one was Frankenstein, and it's quite serious and it's quite kind of austere compared to mm. what he was doing with Bride of Frankenstein, which was the fourth and last horror film he directed but even there you have the fantastic well fantastic to me character of um frankenstein's dad it was just like marching through every scene just i don't know you kind of I get... like the character but <laughs> he's absolutely no point in him being in it i know that's that's what i find really entertaining he though. gets the last line as well he gets he? the that last yeah. scene in frankenstein yeah. where like all the exciting stuff's happened and then it just cuts back to him Having a yeah, toast and yeah. it, to the house of Frankenstein, and then it fades black. It's like what a shit ending. Well, well, <laughs> well. Actually, how it originally ended was with uh, Frankenstein dying when he got chucked off the windmill, and yeah. then they decided, oh, this is too grim, but we we can't get hold of Colin Clive, who played Frankenstein anymore, so we'll have to have him in the bed, in the background, in soft focus, <laughs> and we'll oh, we'll bring back Frankenstein's sense. dad. Oh, really? a popular character Frankenstein yeah. <laughs> all the kids dress up as him at Halloween they do yeah everyone stuff. cosplays him every time there's a horror it's amazing well you can understand how they had to make the uh, ending a bit more upbeat because you know the yeah. film was banned in Ireland for being unsuitable for nervous people oh. <laughs> <Sounds>. <laughs> I didn't even realise that was a thing 
I, I'm so tempted to do an impression of the Irish censor, but <laughs> it'll just come out really bad, won't it? No, go on. That, that's the charm. <laughs> oh, this film you made, Mr. Will. Uh, I don't know about it. It seems like it's not suitable for, for nervous people, you know. Right. That was good. Yeah, well done. It, it depends bad. on what your definition of all right is. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it started off a little bit like you're having a stroke, but it kind of it got there in the end. It was a little bit there after me lucky charms. That's probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pretorius. So that was a character I wasn't expecting. Pretorius turning up with his uh, little jars of tiny people. <laughs> so weird. I, I I love the fact that Bride of Frankenstein has very much an air of James Whale being playful and all. So I'll do this if I want to. Yeah. Jim would figure out how to make small people on screen. He's like, I've got to do something. I've got some king costumes. I've got a pope costume. Yep. I've got the technology. <laughs> got a ballet dancer. We can have that for a couple of hours. Whack it in a jar. Yeah. yeah. Well, my question is, what do you think Pretorius gets up to the little tiny clone of himself? Pretorius <laughs> is kind of dodgy anyway. He's like, how did you make them? I made them from seed. <laughs> oh no Pretorius a creepy man I quite like the idea that there's a deleted scene somewhere out there where Pretorius is um, sewing all of these tiny costumes for his tiny people <laughs> oh, tiny sewing machine yeah. <laughs> it's all quite stagey and ridiculous but I love the background characters in Bride of Frankenstein you've got like the sort of Burgermaster guy who's like stop this it's ridiculous and he's, he's like very very close to being Graham Chapman in um, Monty Python's Flying Circus <laughs> telling people to stop being silly He's like, no, stop talking about it. It's silly. It's like, no, there, there was a fucking monster, mate. We saw it. It was in the first <laughs> film. Did you not notice that? <laughs> At no point do you ever see him make a Whopper or a Big Mac. I know. He's rubbish. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't even have any relish on him. Um, I chose the, the Frankenstein theme partly because I've always really liked the book and I like the fact that they can explore death and what it means to be human, etc. And also, they're a very, very good showcase for people making stupid noises, <laughs> which is another one of my favourite things. And this contains a brilliant scene that isn't monster-related where there's somebody making a stupid noise and that happens when you've got the peasant folk who get attacked by the monster. And I think the old woman's smoking a pipe, but the um, the son goes, oh, don't oh, worry, yeah. you shall have your meat, mother. And she just goes, eww. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Don't know why. I absolutely bloody yeah. love that. Uh, it was a bit of a mixed bag for me. You barely liked any Frankenstein films at all. I've seen your letterbox scores. Yeah, <laughs> you're right there. I've only enjoyed a few of these. Um... Not spitting out enough little sweets from their necks, are they? <laughs> <Same problem. laughs> nah, they did make a Frankenstein Pez, though. I know. I think I had yeah. one. 1965. Uh, not that long ago, oh. I didn't. But <laughs> yeah. It was of Dr. Frankenstein's dad, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All the kids wanted Frankenstein's dad. The elephant in the room, of course, is that the bride of Frankenstein herself does not turn up until four fucking minutes from the end. Yes. That's the thing that annoyed me quite a bit, that yeah. it was just so late on. Like, you have that in the title, and then that's, that's how you end it. She basically does the robot for a bit, screams and dies. <laughs> she basically inspires all the new wave performers. It's like, yeah. it's amazing. What I found really interesting about that, because she's like super iconic, isn't she? Mm. Um, mm. But she does the, the jerky head thing. And I was like, oh, that's what she does in Frankenhooker. It's yes. the exact same head movements. And I was like, brilliant. Is that where that's from? Fab. Well, I mean... Bit of context. Frankenhooker is basically a remake of Bride of Frankenstein, but mm -hmm. the, she's given a lot more to do once she's been built. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and I, obviously, I hadn't appreciated that Frankenhooker is a basically direct remake of Bride of Frankenstein with, without <laughs> the tiny people in jars, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's tits instead of tiny, tiny people Yeah, jars. there's moving walking tits and things yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, you take what you can get, innit? 
Um, <laughs> I mean, can't get any we, people in jars, Frank Hen and Lotta, but we can get these tits. Brilliant. These walking tits. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, James, had you seen Frankenhooker before? No, I hadn't. I'd, I'd just been aware what of the title. What kind of life have you lived? <laughs> well, I, I mean... What a sad, a sad deprived <laughs> point in life without Frankenhooker in it. Uh, I mean, at least I've had Frankenstein's dad in my past to uh, <laughs> yeah. keep, keep my spirits so, up. Um, so as a remake of Bride of Frankenstein, how did you think it compared? Well, I don't think it is a remake of Bride of Frankenstein. Because <laughs> there is a remake of Bride of Frankenstein called The Bride, which I think is stinging. There's that as well, yeah. Yeah, which, right, yeah. I, I think I tried to watch once and then I, I don't know I just got bored after 10 minutes or something a bit like listening to his music uh, uh. 10 minutes <laughs> come on question. now five at most <laughs> um, but Frankenhooker is surprisingly excellent I, I really quite enjoyed it yes it's a film I've loved for years when it came out 1991 probably on video I've, I think I've watched it as soon as it came out on VHS and I've watched it regularly ever since it's so good um, <laughs> there are some things that I've noticed from watching it so many times like those hookers why do they call a threesome a twosome like, you fancy a twosome <laughs> it's like a major part of their service you'd think they'd know the name for it and mm. I've never heard it pronounced dildos <laughs> <laughs> in that part of New York though come around Brooklyn get some dildos yeah well, <laughs> hey I'm from New York I got dildos and a twosome pizza <laughs> <laughs> hey, forget about it I'm from Sopranos <laughs> sex with your dildo Spot on. I really liked Frankenhooker. Um, this probably my second favourite out of all the Frankenstein movies that we've watched. Yeah. Um, it's legit. It's mine too, or, or possibly my actual favourite. I think it is my actual favourite. It's just so much fun. What's great with Frank Hen and Lotta's stuff is that it's fun and it's ridiculous and it's mad and there's still bits that make you go, ooh, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was the freezer part for me. Oh, God, yes. yeah. It's just so and gross then, that when they all come out the freezer and it's just like <laughs> yeah, such a good practical effect. It's great. <laughs> yeah, he always kind of stays true to the kind Kind of proper kind of scuzzy 42nd street scary nights out in threatening parts of town vibe of a lot of his movies um yeah when you've got the newsreader at the beginning explaining about the lawnmower accident she makes a couple of bitchy comments <laughs> that, that was are... my favorite part that news that's reader. like something out of a john waters movie where <laughs> she says something like because she was yeah. that they make all the hints that the girl was fat and then she says she spread her personality all over the dinner guests <laughs> <laughs> so awful but so funny she doesn't even look that fat in those opening scenes. No. She's just really wearing an oversized jumpsuit. We've got some pillows stuffed in it. Yeah. It's great. Well, I was wondering if it was maybe a, an adult nappy so that she doesn't have to take off her jumpsuit <laughs> when if she wants to go to the toilet. <laughs> she is amazing, mm. the girl who plays Frankenhooker. Her physical comedy and her faces that she pulls are so grotesquely funny. And just the shrill, like, want a date, want a party? Like, <laughs> I will. Got any money? Yeah. <laughs> so fun. I love her. I think it's safe to say Frankenhooker isn't exactly what Mary Shelley had in mind. Um, Kenneth Branagh's probably more her <laughs> cup of laudanum tea. He directed oh, and starred in 1994's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That's how much he wanted to suck up to her. <laughs> <laughs> this is a film I believe that he had an affair with Helena Bonham Carter. Was married to Emma Thompson, isn't it? Oh, really? Yes, it is. Yeah. And how could you resist mm. her with that lovely hair? She looks great at the end. She's, I mean, brilliant. Not she doesn't look great, but she's brilliant <laughs> at the end as a zombie. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed this. I've just put it off forever, thinking it was just some bollocks. Well, because it sounds so really mental. Because it's Kenneth Branagh shirtless for a lot of it, and then Robert De Niro is the monster. Yeah, and it's like. 
shut up, Kenneth Branagh. Go direct Thor. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy this and I didn't because we used to have to watch this all the time in my English lessons at uh, secondary school. Oh, Instead yeah. of reading the book. Yeah. Well, I'm, I never really read the book. I got given the book and I, I'm not good with the, the books. So I kind of went, meh. And then to gauge our interest, our teacher were like, well, let's watch Kenneth Branagh's Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because she fancied <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. And would openly talk about how much she fancied Kenneth Branagh. And he's very wet and slippery in this film, girls. He's so wet. <laughs> um, Takes one to know one, eh? <laughs> Actually, I remember bringing in a copy of Young Frankenstein when I was in secondary school. Can we, can we watch this adaptation instead? Uh. Um, but we watched like half an hour of it and the girls I went to school were like, No, this is boring. Let's watch Kenneth Branagh. So I... <laughs> I, I dislike this film for personal reasons, but rewatching it, it's not it's not badly crafted. From the outset, though, it sounds absolutely fucking batshit. Imagine going to your mates going, there's this film on the cinema, it's, it's Frankenstein, right? But it's written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, and he's kind of a brother to Helen Bonham Carter, but they bang. Um, and his dad <laughs> is not Jim Broadbent. Um, he's the other one. <laughs> Ian Holm. Bobby De Niro's in it. I wouldn't watch that, but well, maybe I would actually. It's it, is, it is the sort of film Jim Broadbent would turn up and fart in. <laughs> 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 it's not. It's not. You've got John Cleese turning up, and he's unbelievably brilliant in a very serious yeah. part. But he has got very, very odd makeup because it's apparently they were like, no, no, everyone will just associate him with comedy, and uh, we'll have to make him. Look <laughs> and it's just like, no, we can still tell that's John Cleese, though. Yeah. I did Frankenstein for A level, and this came out around when I was studying it, and so a lot of our class went. And um, I remember being a bit of an apologist for it at the time because it was a lot of laughing going on in the cinema. I mean, there's some bits that are funny, whether they're intentional or not. Like, like the the fact that the lab looks like it's got a big pair of bollocks hanging from the ceiling. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> that design of that lab. I don't know how he's supposed to have built that himself, but it's amazing. It is amazing. And also it does deviate from the book in ways that are quite silly. And it's kind of blasphemy when you've actually called the film Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, isn't it? I mean, That's because it's the same production company as did Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula And previously. to be fair, it has more to do with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein than Bram Stoker's Dracula had to do with Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I think they were going to get Francis Ford Coppola to direct this one because it was his company that made it and he oh. was just like, nah, I can't be asked. give it to Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh's like, can I put the lady I fancy in it? And they were like, yes, oh. there we go. <laughs> it's exhausting to watch. A lot happens in two hours. I don't know if I was just getting dizzy from the amount of time Kenneth Branagh's camera just circles around characters, <laughs> mainly him and Helena Bonham Carter whenever they're embracing. But it's great. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. There is a lot packed into it, but it is kind of a bit stately and a bit boring. Whereas for me, the problem with Bram Stoker's Dracula is the opposite. You know, it's kind of too frenzied and too hyperactive. I think Dracula needs to calm down a bit and Frankenstein... Um, I don't know, it just, it just feels Calm a bit too Calm down, similar. Dracula. <laughs> if they'd done a sequel to them both that was Frankenstein meeting Dracula, would that have been the perfect film? I believe it could well have been the greatest film of all time. But only, yes. only, if, they, only if they were paired with Frankenstein's dad from 1931. Yeah. Oh, of course. Well, yeah. <laughs> and only if Frankenstein went, Calm down, Dracula! <laughs> and, and was played by Michael Winner from the Eshaw adverts. Of course. <laughs> Calm down, girl! <laughs> But if it's not James Whale and Universal Pictures that you think of when you think of the Frankenstein films, then it's probably Hammer, who made seven of the fuckers. And we've watched a couple of them for this. The first being their first, 1957's The Curse of Frankenstein. And we also watched 1966's Frankenstein Created Woman, which was their fourth Frankenstein film. I don't know if you like The Curse of Frankenstein just 
doesn't get anything right. No. Like, it completely ignores so much of the source material and just doesn't even have enough of the creature. They're hardly even in. It's like the guy who wrote it deliberately tried to take all the passion and romance and emotion out of it just so that you'd be left with this real sort of stiff, repressed, shitty British version of the Frankenstein story. It's awful. Yeah, it's one of my least favourite Hammers. Um, but there's a story of Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. I think this was one of the first films they'd worked together on, so their friendship was kind of developing while they were making the film. And at the start of this one, Christopher Lee was like, I haven't got any lines. And Peter Cushing said, "Ah, oh, well, I've read the script. You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's not a not an exciting or a fun adaptation. Though I do think that Peter Cushing does a decent job as being Frankenstein. He gets the kind of selfishness and the single mindedness. I, I was going to say it's interesting that if he really didn't like the scripts, it shows. He's yeah. not putting in much effort, I don't think. He's not, but you just get a good vibe of haughtiness. I got so bored watching this that, um, you know, Frankenstein's assistant, Paul, I just ended up staring at his trousers when I noticed they don't have any fly, like no buttons, no zip. Where he goes for a piss, does he have to take his whole trousers down like a little boy? That's how bored I was watching this, <laughs> thinking about how the assistant has a wee. Valid <laughs> questions. Um, and Frankenstein created woman? It's better than The Curse of Frankenstein, but it's... <laughs> It's just still not there. I like the kind of perverse weirdness of this one. The woman's brought back, but she's got her boyfriend's brain in her or something. I'm not entirely sure. I've seen it a couple she's of times. She's got Hans's and... soul. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's called he's called Hans, hmm. but the scene at the beginning with his dad being hung, the dad shouts his son's name, and it sounds like he's. Oh, he, is he, is he, oh, he's guillotined. Is he? Yeah, and his son's in the bushes, isn't he? Yeah. Watch well, he, he shouts his son's name, and when he says it, it sounds like he's saying pants. <laughs> and that distracted me so that's why I couldn't tell the difference between a guillotine and uh, that's why I never became a hangman anyway um, <laughs> there is something genuinely kind of perverse and weird with Frankenstein created woman and that's one that the idea is so mad you'd almost think that if somebody could do quite an interesting remake or a sort of reimagining of it because I think there's kind of like a gem of a good story in there but unfortunately but yeah, yeah there, there is it's, it's basically the second half is I spit on your grave well yeah that's true <laughs> I enjoyed the bad set of the pub slash bar because yes. it was just a cafe. It was just a cafe from Hello Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> European European bar, isn't it? That's European bar. like that. I'm always disappointed whenever I go on holiday to Europe. I mean, the outside of their pubs look pretty shit anyway, but they're horrible inside, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just cafes. Like, I want a yeah. proper pub. It annoyed me when the when the glass of wine got knocked over, and it's obvious it doesn't even go on the man's trousers. But he still jumps up and he's like, what have you done? Don't know why it bothered me so much. Pe- but... People were paying an awful lot of attention to men's trousers in both of his hammer things. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this podcast's about. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> trousers times... Five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't share the majority view on these Hammer Frankensteins. I absolutely love them, and I think they're really engaging. And um... oh, don't worry, we're not the majority view in general. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get that those three posh, annoying toffs were supposed to be Russian? Because... Well, isn't that mentioned in the script briefly but the, the, other than that no they're just they're like hello we're terrible bastards yes we are we're absolute cads we're going to smash your pub up and you can't do nothing it's a very odd hammer convention isn't it where they're all sort of in some unspecified section yeah. of Europe but 
Mm. The mixture of accents is extraordinarily diverse and well, predominantly British. Posh and Cockney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone in this film is posh. Cockney is the universal poverty accent, so so anyone poor yeah. in any part of the world will have a Cockney accent. <laughs> this is why in Les Miserables, everyone has a Cockney accent, despite the fact they're in Paris. It's, it's just how it works. <laughs> And EastEnders is actually set in Russia. Did you not know that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to hear you do some accents, James. I just feel like, you know, we've got an actor on the show. Feel like just have it. Let's have some accents. <laughs> Maybe when we get to Flesh for Frankenstein, I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Perfect. oh, please do. That's got the best accents that film. I'll, uh, I'll hold you to that. Something that has to be said for Peter Cushing as Frankenstein, though, is he's not really playing Mary Shelley's Frankenstein at all, and I personally think that's a really, really good thing because Victor Frankenstein, as he is in Mary Shelley's novel, is incredibly annoying. <laughs> he is an immoral bastard, as Frankenstein mm. is in the novel, but he's kind of aware of it in the way that the Frankenstein of the novel isn't. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the novel when um, Justine is going to be hanged, Frankenstein is kind of narrating it all as though the family servant was going to be hanged for a murder she didn't commit. But I had to feel things as a result of this mm. going on. And that made it worse <laughs> for me, because it's happening to me. And my feelings, oh, it's just romantic bollocks of the worst order, really. Weirdly, it's Branner that kind of gets that bit of it across the yeah, way that some of the others right. don't. Branner's definitely the most annoying Frankenstein mm. of, of the lot. And I don't, I don't quite remember because it is a few years since I've seen the Branner, but does Branner get that thing across that's so much in the novel where every time the slightest shock befalls Frankenstein, he'll kind of faint and then convalesce in bed for about two months? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. yeah. Good. Starting off a bit like a Hammer film, but really being one of our favourite things, an Italian sex film is 1971's Lady Frankenstein. <laughs> Lady Frankenstein. It sounded so much more pornographic than it ultimately was. Uh, <laughs> if I'd realised this was an Italian sex film, I would have watched it. God damn it. No, it takes a while to get going. You get a bit of the regular story with Baron Frankenstein creating his monster that goes around killing people. But then he gets killed and his daughter decides to create a new, more civilised one that she can fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, watching poor old Joseph Cotton playing Frankenstein in that film, my God, it gives you a real appreciation for when they got a specialist like Peter Cushing to play a character of this nature. Because <laughs> Joseph Cotton, fantastic actor, I mean, he started off with Orson Welles and things like Citizen mm. Kane, but he just cannot do the gothic to save his life. He looks like he'd rather be anywhere else, and it's kind of a mercy when he gets killed under halfway through the film. The whole film improves once he's written off and... Uh... We concentrate on um, Tan. Uh, is it Tanya? Is his daughter, Lady Frankenstein? Um, <laughs> oh, it's like a brand of razor. <laughs> Introducing Lady Frankenstein. Lady Frankenstein. <laughs> there's got to be a drag queen somewhere called Lady Frankenstein. That's just too perfect a name. I know there's a film out there that I've never seen called Frankenstein's Great Aunt Tilly. That, that, oh, that, that, that sounds like a ready-made drag name. Is it a porno or a? I have no idea. Or? I've not seen it. Um, yeah, why wasn't it on the list, Cliff? <laughs> <laughs> it stars Donald Pleasance. Oh, Christ. It's a parody film, I think. Uh, okay. okay. Slightly worried that you went to porno first before a comedy. There is another film which I've, I've never seen called The Erotic Rights of Frankenstein. Oh, Ooh. yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's rubbish. <laughs> There's a half woman, half bird in it, but it's just a woman wearing, like, feather gloves. <laughs> <laughs> This is what Lady Frankenstein was missing, you see. I thought it was so boring. I really struggled. <laughs> Where is the bird lady? I was crying. <laughs> Herbert Fox is in it. He plays um, 
a Larry Why does that sound like you said Herbert Fox? <laughs> yeah, that's his name, Herbert Fox, yeah. Right? And this is what I was alluding to earlier about IMDb. It used to be oh. the case that if Herbert Fox appeared in a film as himself, the IMDb credit was Herbert, Herbert Fox, Fox himself. himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> If there's one problem I have with the current trend of like genderless pronouns, it's that this doesn't exist anymore. Oh. You look up now, for example, the 2014 documentary Mark of the Devil, Mark of the Times documentary about the film Mark of the Devil that starred both uh, Herbert Fox and Gabby Fox, spelled differently. <laughs> it used to say Gabby Fox herself, Herbert Fox himself. But now it just says Gabby Fox self, Herbert Fox self. It's ruined uh, the joke. Fox work. self is still quite work. rude. It's more aggressive. No. <laughs> Herbert, fuck self. <laughs> it's more of a command than a yeah, exact scripture. <laughs> Gabby, fuck self. Friend. Good. <laughs> is it Boris Karloff telling yes. him to do that? Good, good. <laughs> Smoke, good. Fuck self. Lady <laughs> Frankenstein's injection of a bit of sex into proceedings brings us on to various other ways that filmmakers have tried to update the story. One surprisingly traditional adaptation is the 2015 Frankenstein from Bernard Rose, who directed Candyman, which nevertheless updates it with a 3D printed creature becoming a vagrant on the streets of Los Angeles. I love this. I thought this was really good. I really like it. It is really, really yeah. good. I've really not good. seen this one before. You haven't pronounced it correctly though, Cliff. It's well, like that's the, only on the, on the poster. It's like, for one, nah, if I can... Cliff, you got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. If you do for 13 and Ghosts, then you've got to do... The 13 and Ghosts is the name of the 13 and Ghosts, though. <laughs> yeah, this... I'm going to have to bring up the poster, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? So, although the on-screen title is Frankenstein, the poster calls it Frank 3 and 1531... <laughs> <laughs> Except the 3's a What... <laughs> Well, I don't understand that poster design at all. Because it's got computers. It's got science, therefore numbers. You can't allow graphic designers this amount of power because they will ruin so many <laughs> film titles. It's, it's down to graphic designers that we have to call The Witch. A very good film. V V V Itch. The V Vitch? Yeah, the V Vitch. Oh, oh, okay. You, yeah. you found a quicker way of saying it, but the V V Itch is strange. The V D Itch. Um, Frankenstein Frankenstein this is good boy band Frankenstein's monster yeah but he starts (laughs) off boy band doesn't he and then he he gets gets pretty fucking gross gross. talking of Frankenstein's monster's makeup designs obviously the universal one the classic one is copyright them and no one else can use that design which I think is a good thing Mm. because it means that everyone has to come up with their own one I don't know if Universal maintained the copyright on that makeup up to the present day I don't don't know if it's expired or anything but if you look at Lady Frankenstein that monster in there is still in a kind of Karloffian forehead it's quite square Mm. I mean it's also a dreadful makeup the one big eye yeah, yes. in Lady Frankenstein. Yeah. The one big eye on the one big guy. Yeah, it's, oh, dreadful. oh, is that supposed <laughs> to be like a penis? <laughs> it probably is, because yeah, the other. Yeah, no, I thought, Bryony, I thought you were suggesting that James calls his penis the one big guy with the one <laughs> no. big eye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might do. Only when Frankenstein's dad is here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, but Bernard Rose's Frankenstein's monster makeup is excellent. Uh, It's really horrible. Um, Tony Todd plays Mm. a busker with no eyes. It's really good. 
Yeah, it's just really good. I was very surprised. But a lot of the monologues that the creature does are actually taken from the book yes. pretty much mm. verbatim, I think. Yeah. And that brings out the kind of the pain and the sadness and just the monster being alone and the fact that he says, I am alone. And it's just, yeah, it's heartbreaking. It's a very sad film. It's really sad. Yeah. Like for a for a gross horror film mm. um it's a, just a very sad film with with some horror elements in it like when his creator denies him and he's shouting mom mom and it's just like oh no mm. this this is not upbeat which i guess is you know the the tone of the book as well mm. um yeah and it's surprisingly of all the frankensteins this is the one that made me feel the most sad about the whole concept did robert de niro crying with a little flower not make you sad <laughs> was under the tree <laughs> made me happy actually I laughed. <laughs> laughed in great delight. The 1970s American version of Update in a Classic was to give it a black exploitation spin, as in 1972's Blackenstein, the Black Frankenstein. Oh, um, God. This should have been fun. Sure. I really should have been. Yeah. I saw this sort of late at night many, many years ago, and I was like, yeah, that's all right, in a kind of trashy, silly way. But of course, revisiting or watching quite a lot of black exploitation horrors for the first time in the past few years. I've realised that most of them are much better than this. Well, Black Killer mm. is actually really, really good. and Yeah, Black Killer's yeah. really good. Abby is really good as well. So that's the, the Exorcist oh, right. one. I just feel like they just really didn't know what they were going for. Yeah. And then the way that the monster dies is just just it's, hilarious. It, it just gets yeah. attacked by three dogs. <laughs> this is another one that's quality people making silly noises because this Frankenstein spends the whole film going... Mm. <laughs> like a, a small dog that you tried to take a slipper off of so it's no wonder the fucking dogs killed him in the end actually he's got yes. the uh, square headed makeup hasn't he he does yeah, yeah. 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 it's so fucking inept the script like things like oh I read the results of you winning the Nobel Prize yeah. <laughs> oh yeah what was the score <laughs> I didn't realise that's what happened <laughs> Did we all enjoy that 11th hour trip to the comedy club? <laughs> Fuck me, this is the second time. So last month we watched Mako Jaws of Death and that also had a bizarre five minute open spot. He gets a very good reception if that's an open spot though. So, you know. It's a bringer. It's a bringer. <laughs> it's a bringer. Yeah, they're all his mates. I did notice there's a lot of men in that audience that have got the same hats. So probably they are. <laughs> to be fair, it wasn't an open spot because his name was on the marquee outside because I got really excited when it looked like um, Blackenstein oh. was going to suddenly, or Blackenstein's creature or whatever you're going to call him was going to an Andy C gig but uh, not the drum and bass in that case it's not that he's an open spot so much as he's an open spot who also runs the night Uh, oh yeah it could be yeah but the creature should have had an open spot as well (laughs) that's what what I would have liked to see only if he was like the one in the book and was like what's the deal with being alive I don't know (laughs) (laughs) the first book I ever read was Paradise Lost and now let me tell you man everything's crazy (laughs) Um, to be fair that audience was laughing at absolutely everything so pretty much laughing very loudly so it may have gone down the storm so if the early 70s in American cinema gave us a black exploitation Frankenstein, then Italy had to come up with a giallo Frankenstein, <laughs> as in 1972's curiously titled Frankenstein 80. Why did they do this? I, like, <laughs> there's never a point I thought, you know what Frankenstein needs? It needs detectives trying to figure out these crimes that Frankenstein's doing. This is literally the most like an episode of Garth Marenghi of any movie that I've seen for this podcast. It was amazing. It's like, I was trying to work out if it was intentional, but there's really kind of no way of knowing. And again, number three in my um, collection of significant people making stupid noises things. It was um, the, the scene where the monster goes into the butchers and she goes, what can I get for you? 
and he goes and she goes oh the liver <laughs> joyous they're like the uh, the woman in the avatar gets beaten with a leg of lamb and her clothes just fall off as she's being yep. beaten around the head I like the personalised number plate on the ambulance 1711 that paramedic must really like his big gulps <laughs> And um, the line, a male nurse is not a pack of cigarettes. He'll be in there somewhere. Just <laughs> <laughs> a cryptic. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a brilliant bit of ridiculous physical comedy where he goes, now listen, this is what we found out. And the two sort of like junior policemen just lean in like they're the Chuckle Brothers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, did you watch this? I didn't know. This is another Italian sex film that I didn't watch. This really is an Italian sex film as well. There's one scene where there's a lady going, I'm studying medicine. I'm going to be a doctor too. <laughs> And in the next scene, yeah, she is reading a great big medical textbook. And then the camera pans back and she's wearing a completely see-through nighty. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, oh, no, that's my favourite thing about Jallo films as well, when the lady's really clever, but she's got a baps out. Oh, she's got, she's got her muff out as well in this one. Oh, that's, for uh, fuck's sake. <laughs> that's the only type of women the monster kills in this. If they're not naked... He's not killing them. Well, if they're not <laughs> naked, then as he's killing them, their clothes just fall off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think on paper I should really like this film, but it's just everyone's such a dickhead in it and it's rubbish. <laughs> I love the final freeze frame where they try to light the guy's cigar, but the light is just shaking all over the place. <laughs> and, then they just, and then they just do the freeze frame. And just it's a bit police squad, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> So that's a weird one, but I don't know how to explain 1990s time travel in Frankenstein Unbound. <laughs> or Frankenstein's Mbop, as the title font makes it look like. <laughs> Damn you, graphic designers! <laughs> I do like this one. I think this is one of my favourite ones. I think it's the most creative Frankenstein <laughs> film, just just because of how ridiculous it is. So it's about a scientist who invents a big massive weapon that creates a time split and he gets chucked into the 19th century mm. where he meets Frankenstein and Shelley and Percy Shelley and Byron. And also there's lasers in the final scene which will <laughs> never fail to make me excited. Cause... Yeah, I, I don't feel they knew how to end it. No, but they, there's lasers. They didn't know how to Yeah, end so it. that's what they went for. We don't know how to end this film. Lasers. Fucking lasers. Yeah. It's second to what they did with Blackenstein with like, oh, let's just have the monster killed with dogs. With dogs. Yeah. But this one, they're just like, that's lasers. It does seem to be a, a weird running theme in almost all of the films we've discussed where they just don't know how to end them. Going all the way back to the original Frankenstein where they reshot the ending to bring the audience what they wanted, i.e. more of Frankenstein's dad. All the way to Blackenstein <laughs> where you just do the thing with the dogs and then Frankenhooker ends really, really abruptly. And mm. so, so does oh, Frankenstein does, yeah. 80 and yeah, they just they just come crashing to a halt, it seems. It's really weird. I didn't dig the monster design in this one, but he's got a lovely pirate shirt on. But I think I think he's very good at that. Is he? Mm. Sympathetic, I would say. No. He's just like, make me a wife. You <laughs> said you made me a wife, Dad. God <laughs> it asked to be made. Ugh. I mean that is the uh, central tragedy of Frankenstein's monster, isn't it? <laughs> Can't get his dick wet. <laughs> well, I've quite enjoyed this run through decades worth of Frankensteins. They've been very varied, despite all being essentially based on the same thing. But of course, we cannot finish without our second feature, which is Paul Morris's 3D version from 1973, Flesh for Frankenstein. You have to find the right head for this torso. It has to be of a man who strongly craves women, whose overriding urges are sensual. 
if he succeeds in finding such a single-minded man, our chances are very good that the male we create will fall in love with my female zombie. What kind of work did you say your husband does? He's a scholar, spends hours in his laboratory. I really don't know what he does. We lead very separate lives. They will mate, and she will bear me the children I want. They're going to be a true start of a new race, entirely created by me, responding only to my bidding. In a reversal of Bride of Frankenstein, this Baron Frankenstein has already created his female zombie and now needs to create a male mate so that he can breed a perfect Serbian super race. <laughs> it is great. It's wonderful. We watched Blood for Dracula a few months ago when we did the Dracula episode and obviously this is part of the same production. They've made them back to back and I love them both. And love the accents the most yeah. <laughs> um, I must make a zombie do you um, think he's intentionally saying lavatory instead of lavatory everybody <laughs> says lavatory that's the thing the... especially when he says it took years before I was allowed to poke my nose in his lavatory lavatory it's, it's got to be an intentional joke isn't it <laughs> toilet humour yeah. as with blood for Dracula there is all those kind of like is this meant to be funny because it is bloody hilarious I think this is one of the problems I have with this film in that I don't think it knows half the time whether it means to be funny or not well there's a bit where the male zombie sits down at the dining table and farts i mean you don't put a fart gag in a serious film do you you see i've watched this twice and i don't even remember that there was so much going on oh i watched it in 3d though so oh, maybe right. maybe <laughs> did the fart come out yeah <laughs> it did yeah <laughs> there's bits of it that you're like oh yeah that, that must be funny like the scenes where frankenstein is fucking the dead woman and then the assistant's there and he's like stop watching me you dirty sing <laughs> and he says that about four or five times and it's never stops being funny arnos jürgen his assistant he's very good he does like proper <laughs> mugging as well and to be yeah. mugging next to udo Kier, who is like the king of it is the king of muggery yeah. udo yeah. Kier is actually fantastic he's so he is, i yeah. think he's my all-time favorite horror actor he reminds me of like a young bela lugosi in these films but like the <laughs> bela lugosi in terrible 1940s poverty row films you know things like the ape man and the corpse vanishes where he's just so over the top it's kind of stratospheric it's just a beautiful thing and that accent is just you know, it doesn't matter what he's saying. It's just so... Anything he says, just, um, you know... It, Fuck life in the gallbladder! I think, I think my favourite thing with Udo Kier is when he's... Um, I think it's a prelude to that fucking life in the gallbladder. When he's reaching inside his female monster, he's just going through the organs in, in this absolutely kind of <laughs> sexually touched um, German accent of this sort of thing. Oh, lung. Oh, <laughs> oh heart. And then eventually he gets, he gets to the final one where he seems to be most like, you know, his, his, his favourite, of course. And he's like, oh, gallbladder. <laughs> <laughs> that, that couldn't be better. Um, weirdly, I was, I was reading around this bit. Um, the director, Paul Morrissey, he was an enormous fan of the Carry On films. Wow. And I think, okay. I think you can see a bit of that in the approach. But there's also this weird seriousness to Flesh for Frankenstein, isn't there? And there's such a juxtaposition in mm. a lot of it, though. Like, between the accents, like... It's meant to be oh. Serbia, but half the cast are from like New York. Hey, I'm from Serbia here. <laughs> hey, oh, oh, Dr. Frankenstein, you can't just fuck a woman in a gallbladder. Oh, oh gallbladder. Um, <laughs> not without a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to make this a toast? Bring in the monsters. Come on. Oh, grab a goo. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's this, the jokeship with all the accents are brilliant, and then um, it's funny, and then it's serious, and then it's like it turns into one of those art films because um, your man, your male zombie, just st- he spends <laughs> most of the film just longingly staring. Uh, anything other than what's going on. <laughs> I know that they don't know what they're doing all the time in terms of, you know, what what effect they're trying to get. But I don't know when they don't know what they're doing. And I, th- I think that's what made it so compelling to watch, really. Because you've also got those great moments of absolutely mental super violence, haven't you? Like the beheading early on. <laughs> oh, God, that yeah. beheading's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible, that bit. Because like, when the head's cut off, its tongue's still waggling around. That's yeah. really advanced for... <laughs> Yeah. For 73, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's a great effect. Um, also, the bit where they're cutting her open with the scissors and like there's a great big scar and it's really lingering on it and you have time to figure out, like, what are they doing here? they got, like, a bloodline on the scissors that's making blood square or <laughs> is the scar got loads of little blood packs underneath that burst each time the scissors go in? Or It's great. Really good effects. And then the 3D effects in it. Fucking hell. The innards, the amazing impalement at the end, the bats, those shears, the lizard. The bit where the maid gets killed and her guts are all hanging out through the grate. I was just going to say that must have been like the 3D highlight. Um, along, along with the Well, no, I'll tell you what the 3D oh, highlight right. was. It was right near the start, <laughs> close off a fish tank. Oh. And I could reach my arm out and tickle that little fishy on its little fishy <laughs> face. It was that close. It was incredible. Oh, that's nice. And also, you presumably you get to watch Joe D'Alessandro fucking people in hedges and <laughs> um, on beds in 3D as well, which, you know, fair enough. Yeah, there's nothing sticking out in your face there. So no, <laughs> I'm not watching it now. He looks so un- uninfused when he's doing all this shagging. He doesn't look very happy about any of it. He's equally unenthusiastic in all the sex scenes in uh, Blood for Dracula, isn't he? I mean... Mm. And uh, there's, there's something about the sex scenes in both of his films where it's, it's like that really unerotic, really kind of unappealing kind of way of doing a sex scene that I associate with films of that period coming out of Europe. I love it. It's my favourite way to have sex. I just look at all these naked people, especially in that brothel scene early on, and it's just not erotic. I just think everyone just looks cold. I'm just thinking, <laughs> you've got no thermostat. You'll be cold. It, oh, it's just, it's just, yeah, just. Yeah. They were all hairier then, though. That's true. <laughs> it never really gets explained some of the things that happen in it, though. Like with the monsters being created, it, that they miss out um, quite a bit. I don't think there's. I think it could be explained a bit more. He hates his kids. So he, he wants better kids. kids. So he builds people to have good kids. And his wife is also his sister. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, yeah. what, what, what's going on very... there? Well, that's in the novel, though, isn't it? That he marries his adopted sister. Well, she's sister. adopted, yeah. It's just in this one, they don't specify that she is adopted. It's just another of this film's excessive examples of let's try anything and see what sticks with, you know, kind of Frankenstein sexuality, isn't it? Because, you know, he's played as, like, flagrantly gay, by Udo Kier, who is gay in real life, of course. And yet, then they chuck in the incesty thing. And on top of that, the only sexual goings on we see from him on screen are kind of necrophiliac. <laughs> so it's, mm. it's just, you know, let's let's try absolutely everything. And um, Is it possible that the kids aren't his? I, I honestly because don't the, know. Because <laughs> the, the wife made it sound like she'd had special arrangements with members of staff that she'd hired before. I mean, Nicoletta Elmi plays one of them. She was involved in a lot of weird shit as a kid. She was in this, Bay of Blood, Who Saw Her Die, Barren Blood, Deep Red. And when she was like uh, 18 or 19, she did Demons. And then she gave up and become a doctor, which presumably <laughs> from all the things she'd learned in all those horror films, watching 
That's brilliant. People being mm, torn apart. That's cool. I'd love yeah. if my doctor was a former Jello child actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got anything else to say about this? Just that all these films were a bit dead to me. Uh, and a lot of them felt like random scenes stitched together and only a few of them came alive right well now using the skills and techniques they've learned from a variety of Dr Frankensteins let's see if the devils are able to build themselves a half decent score as we play Scary Noises So, the way we play this, James, is uh, I will play you six pairs of audio clips. Each pair will be music from one film, dialogue from another film. One half of each pair will be a Frankenstein film. The other half won't be. You are on scene with Bryony. You're playing against Emily and Luke. Now, what noise have you brought along as your buzzer? My granddad, um, God rest his soul, was a children's entertainer and magician and punch and Judy man. So, we, we, oh, we've been... Wow. Inher- There's a swazzle. No, unfortunately not. <laughs> we've oh. inherited a lot of bizarre <laughs> stuff. I don't know what this thing is, but it's a kind of mechanical contraption and as far as we can surmise he would just do this as part of a kind of comedy walking routine to amuse children where it's a kind of like you know if you if you time it with your leg movements you've got a kind of I have no idea where this is going or what you're doing with your hands out of no, frame no it's a little it's but... a little kind of I mean I know this is a podcast so this is going to be absolutely useless to anyone to anyone listening no 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 so so it makes that noise yeah that's it that's it and what if you just walk along while doing that it's just it's absolutely hilarious to like six year olds (laughs) i'd imagine i never really tested it out but (laughs) next time you're down asda you haven't thought about incorporating that into your performance as frankenstein's creature (laughs) (laughs) just walk across the stage at one point there there exists a more perfect version where uh, yeah i'm doing that in place of dialogue that's the way to do it (laughs) (laughs) why can't i die (laughs) we don't belong alive (laughs) okay um, why do you sound like the cure or a crows Still orange here for masters. <laughs> cool, right, let's do it. Number one. See the broad, the big jumps. I mean the uh, young lady in the feathers, yeah, I see her, so on. Wonder if she had a roll in the shape Yes, Brownie. Is it Frankenhooker, the dialogue? No. Oh. Um, is the music, music then, is that uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? It is, yeah. Well, hey, hmm. There you go. Salvage <laughs> that. So, uh, Luke and Emily, can you get the dialogue from this? You see the broad, the big jumps. I mean, the uh, young lady in the feathers, yeah, I see her, so on. Wonder if she likes a roll in the shape of me. I don't think you're very funny. Well, they do. <laughs> Thank you. A nice gimmick, the dummy. What's his name? Fats. Oh, God. I know this, and I don't know what the film's called. Dead of Night? Yeah, no, it's not. It's magic. I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> I was going to say magic. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Number two. Now, if we could delay or prolong the period in which the body is apparently dead, while the heart is alive. Yes, James. I know the dialogue is um, boring old Paul from The Curse of Frankenstein. <laughs> Unless it isn't. <laughs> it is, yeah. No, it is. Oh, good. <laughs> Him of the flyless trousers. Um, I don't know what the music's from. <laughs> music, Ronnie. Oh, it was quite bombastic, wasn't it? Um... And we've used Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, so... <laughs> well, no, that's a different flavour of bombastic. Ah, this is more like, okay. yeah. 
That was more like, mm. We've already had the Frankenstein one for this mm. pair, mm. so this is a non-Frankenstein so music. And this is where I, I struggle. Um, I don't know. It was too, it was too, too modern for me, too although modern, it probably wasn't modern. modern at all. Luke and Emily, can you get this modern music? Now, if we could delay or prolong the period in which the body is apparently dead, while the heart is alive, we'd have a living body with only the barest life spark present. Now think what that would mean when it came to performing major surgery. We can save hundreds of lives, reducing shock to a minimum, no loss of blood. Oh, is oh it, bollocks. Is it malignant? It is malignant, yeah, well done. Oh. It's that little bit where he goes, it's got that bit. That's, that's like a, a, a trope through the film. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, number three. And I apologise for what this music will do to your ears. It's horrible. <laughs> Nothing anybody can do for me. Oh, Eddie, don't throw out the possibilities. Yes, Eddie. Dr. Yes, Stein. I might be wrong, but is the dialogue black in stone? Certainly is. And did you get the music? No. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> 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 That's all I got. All right. Uh, and that's no. all I can recreate. Okay, you haven't got it. No. Emily and Luke, can you get what that is? I mean, it's not really music, it's a sound effect, but can you identify it? Nothing anybody can do for me. Now, Eddie, don't throw out the possibilities. Yes, Eddie. Dr. Stein just won the Nobel Peace Prize for solving the DNA genetic code. I don't know, Doctor. Once again, I can offer you no promises other than my good results in the laboratory. I would like very much to work with you and to help you. Uh, no, I was going to say, is it one of the A Quiet Place? No, it's the opposite of A Quiet Place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very hurt my eardrums place. Um, it's uh, the living dead at Manchester Morgue. Oh. It's the sound that turns people into zombies. Oh. And ah. I'll just point out that um, winning the Nobel Peace Prize for solving the DNA <laughs> genetic code <laughs> is a bit like me winning the Nobel Prize in economics for best rap or hip-hop performance. <laughs> I didn't know you'd won that. <laughs> Ah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what they give out for these days. Um, at the halfway stage, it's 3 1 to James and Bryony. Here's number four. Paul isn't the first one who's died. Remember when Dr. Carlson over in Bellevue? Yeah. His car blew up, too. Dr. Carlson's dick. I think the music is from Bride of Frankenstein. It isn't. Oh. Did you get the dialogue? Uh, something about Dr. Carlson. Dr. Carlson's House of Horrible Horrors. It's not that. <laughs> nope. Okay, music and dialogue. Luke and Emily. Paul isn't the first one who's died. Remember Dr. Carlson over in Bellevue? Yeah. His car blew up too. Dr. Carlson's dick? Had an explosion, just like Paul's. You got six guys here going fucking crazy. Yeah, not me, buddy. All right, not you, Rob. The rest of us are going out of our fucking minds. Hey, you think it's got something to do with that night? I think it's got something to do with something. Um, is the music Frankenstein 80? Yes, it is, yeah. Oh. And the dialogue? Uh, don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. That was from Jacob's Ladder. Um, oh. That was good music, though, because it had like the tones of Frankenstein, but then it got a little bit funky. Mm. And it's a little bit funky. kind of policey as well. Funky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy it. Jello like. <laughs> but there's, I'm not an idiot. There was a reason why I thought it was Bride of Frankenstein. I just thought I'd point that out. What's that? What was that reason? Because it starts off like the that's kind of Frankenstein, 
Anyway, continue the game. Continue the game. Yes, I'll continue the game. Number five. You'll prove that Justine Moritz did brazenly commit this most vile crime. This unforgivable against the Is the dialogue Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? No. No. It's not. Did you get the music though? No. (laughs) Okay, Emily and Luke, music and dialogue. You'll prove that Justine Moritz did brazenly commit this most vile crime. This unforgivable act against the people of Geneva. They, my friends, against all men. Excuse me, Matthew. Are the seats next to the young lady over there open to the public? Obviously, good sir. You're a stranger here. The dialogue is Frankenstein Unbound. Yep. Music? Uh, don't know the jazz monster that attacks jazz people. <laughs> Luke, that's my favourite Goosebumps book. <laughs> uh, it was Lost Highway. Oh, oh shit! Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's three all with uh, one to go. Oh, so... it's tense. Yeah, it's tense. Here you oh, go. You made this very important announcement. You all have had the chance. Ronnie, the music is Frankenhooker. Yes, dialogue. I got too excited. Um, don't know. I don't know. This could easily end in a 4-4 tie then. Ooh, it's Ted. If Emily and Luke can get the dialogue. You make this very important announcement. You all have had the chance and the privilege to be enchanted, transported, and even sometimes devastated by the performances of this true artist of our company. She's been a crucial inspiration to my work. A role model to all dancers, and even more than that, a deeply appreciated presence on our stage. Could it be something about dancers? But um, uh, is it Murder Rock? Oh, no, nice try. Uh, Black Swan. Oh bollocks! No. Congratulations, James and Bryony, with a score of four to three. Mm. You are our Frankenstein victors. Hey. Way. <laughs> James Swanton, thank you for being our guest devil this month. Hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah. I have. <laughs> <laughs> Got a problem with that. No, no, it's, it's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Um, it's, it's just a shame I had to watch so many absolutely terrible films for the first time, but I won't make the same mistake again because I've watched them now. So that's positive, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, we provide that kind of service here. Um, and where can people see what you've been getting up to? Um, probably Twitter is your best bet. So my handle is James C. Swanton. Uh-huh, cool. And yeah. uh, Broadcast Signal Intrusion, that in British and Irish cinemas on 25th of March and VOD and Blu-ray from the 28th of March. I am very excited. Oh, I didn't I didn't it. know about the Blu-ray date. Okay. That's... It is true. It's a very good movie. That's an interestingly uh, staggered cinema and home video <laughs> release. You've got... <laughs> Three days of exclusivity in the cinemas before uh, yeah. mm, mm. that window oh. gets ever tighter. Oh well, I've I've learned something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next month on Devil Times Five, superheroes, but like horrible superheroes, evil ones, killy ones who murder loads of people in brutal ways. Uh, I've picked the Crow as one of our features, and uh, as winners of Scary Noises, 
Bryony, uh, you get to pick. Faust. 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 <laughs> of course, it's going to be Faust. Brian Usner's film Faust, and that is. Uh, well, that's us done for another month. Hey, kids, why not like and subscribe, review us, give us star ratings, and most importantly <laughs> of all, tell your friends and spread the word. And remember, unlike Frankenstein, Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast is not the name of its inventors. It's the name of the monster we've created. Thanks for listening. Thank <laughs> you.